episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, I got a special treat for you today. And the two treats, actually. So the first one, uh, Corey is actually not here with us right now. I thought I'd give him the day off. He's done a few solo episodes, so I thought, you know what, Corey, go enjoy the sunshine. I got this one. Um, but you're not going to have to listen to just me today. I've got a very special guest, uh, and he just taught me how to say his name. I'm totally going to butcher it. <laughs> I got <laughs> yeah. Joshua Nasaru Ward. Did, did that I get it? That was perfect. That was great. <laughs> yes. So he's joining me here today from, well, not joining me in person, but down in North Carolina. Uh, and man, you got some impressive stuff on this list of things you've done here. So uh, currently he's, he's the drummer of the band uh, Zael. You just told me how to say that too, Zael? <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's, it's Zael, yes. <laughs> Everybody says Zael. You know what we're Zael. great right now. <laughs> and... Um, so they're pretty sick. You should check those out if you them out if you haven't heard them already. Um, you have done some. I'm just going to try and touch on some of the things you've done. You've done drum tech work for George Coleus and uh, Pete. Where are we at here? Uh, Pete Sandoval. Um, you have toured all over the place. Punched yourself in the balls once by accident while drumming. We'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, I feel like I recall you telling me that you used to teach, do some clinics and stuff too. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Cool, man. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I'm missing, but I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. Uh, but uh, Joshua, thanks, thanks, man, for for coming on the show. It's uh, exciting, hey, thank you for having exciting me. to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, usually the way we'd start is, um, why did you tell me how how did you get into drumming? Oh man, I'll try to make the quickest, easiest version. But yeah, I I just I like beating on things. <laughs> I'm half monkey, so <laughs> understood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, when I started, I you know grew up in kind of a poor family, so I had one of those. Like I remember setting up boxes, and I had a Freon can and like a banjo brass ring. I forgot, I forgot even how I got that, and I hung it on a hanger, <laughs> and I just played the crap out of it, uh, which you know finally led to uh, somebody kind of doing an investment to a drum kit. Uh, and I ended up joining a metal band when I was 12, uh, oh, and nice. they were all like 28. So they kind of like <laughs> invested into me in long, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to bring up bad stuff, but you know, you have to run away from home sometimes. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, I pretty much lived this metal band and, uh, you know, wow. <laughs> well, that's a fun story. <laughs> I mean, I guess also it probably highlights the, uh, the dire need of metal drummers if a band full of 20 or 8 year olds are going to hire a 12 year old <laughs> to you know, play metal drums 
It's interesting now that I'm older looking back, but <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of extreme metal drummers back then. And even at that age, I could play like Rain and Blood and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which was as that was very extreme in our area for that time. So, oh yeah, I, re- I remember for my first time hearing that. Like, well, I remember hearing like you know one, the double bass part in one by Metallica when I was like right. first learning to drum, and I was like, whoa, that's so <laughs> fast. Oh, yeah. For me, it was a fear factory. Well, I was watching Mortal Kombat, was it 1994? And uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Scorpion's fighting. And in the background, you're like, and I was like, what is that? Yeah. And it was it was fear factory. And yeah, that's what sold me. Man, I miss being, I miss being like a kid drummer and having my mind blown by like every band I hear because it was always like the first time hearing it. Like, you know, I, I remember as a kid, I was like really like the very first things I was into was like corn and new metal when I was like a kid. And then I heard uh, a Cradle of Filth video, which got me kind of pulled me into extreme music. Um, and it was like, oh, it's like blast beats and some faster double bass. And I was like, whoa, what? Like, what is this? Get out of here. One by Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The very first extreme metal band for me was Cradle of Filth. It was uh, the song Cruelty. Uh, and the Beast or Cruelty oh, nice. Both Orchids. Yeah. That when I heard that song, it came on like a metal channel at a friend's house. And I was like, why? He sounded like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z singing. And <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that there was that song. That was like my like my favorite song uh, by them. That and like Lord Abortion. But um, yeah, yeah. And cool. I admittedly don't really, I haven't really followed Cradle of Filth anymore. But um, I remember doing a, a paper on Cruelty Brought the Orchids whenever I was in, like, grade 8 or something like that. And I think I was the only one in the whole grade that got 100% on it because I was such a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I remember having to change some of the – like, as I had to present the lyrics. And I remember just, like – I think there's a few curse words or, like, he says cunt or something like that in it. And I remember just changing it because I'm like, oh, they're not going to know what he's saying anyway. (laughs) So I just wrote another word. (laughs) Bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That works. (laughs) Um, All right. So – so I guess you said you like your first tour. It says here your first tour was at the age of fourteen. Yes, um, and I'm guessing you've done quite a bit of touring since then. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever really taken a, a, a an extended break. But you know, uh, I think um, my first tour was with uh, this band called Guardy Lou, which is their members are Nasty Savage, which was a very known band, uh, and members of the Mentors, uh, which was a very famous punk band they even had that guy if you remember gg allen and mm-hmm. uh, you know he'd throw his dookie at people <laughs> wow <laughs> crazy but yeah uh we ended up going on tour and uh with them and we did like a whole east coast florida and all this it was it was pretty cool so nice <laughs> and so you said that um one of your more memorable um tours was uh going through mexico yeah, yeah. Uh, we went, um, that was only a few years ago, and we went, to, we stayed with a friend who's from Mexico City, so we didn't go to the bougie, you know, touristy area. We were, like, middle of Mexico City, like, all the all the roofs had, like, glass and nails and stuff because of intruders, and it was it was actually a really cool experience. And the fans, there were people lined out the door, because I hate to say it in America, ain't not the best music scene. And you'll play a show, 30, 40 people. We get down there. There's like 200 people lined out of the door for this really small room. And there was this oh, bass wow. drum. Uh, they had one bass drum that had a hole in it, so I had to duct tape it. But the other bass drum, we had to take a floor time and stick it in the bass drum and then duct tape the pedal to it and then put a trigger on it. And oh, <laughs> it man. Was, it was awesome, though. The people were going crazy. 
and the food. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. So, it's kind of funny how sometimes like things can go so like wrong in a show that it goes from being like stressed about it to this is kind of funny to okay now that this is funny the show is going to be great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I totally have had those experiences as well. Um, I want to hear more about that tour, but that does kind of lead me into one question that we typically ask everybody that comes on here. So our first episode was called On Stage Disasters, where we talk about one experience that sticks with us where everything went wrong. Something like, you know, your gear fell apart, um, you know, just... It was like a, an awful experience. You're like, ah, <laughs> um, I'm interested if anything like that, if like, you know, if that rings a bell or if that, you know, brings anything to mind immediately when you hear I that. Mean, like, uh, I mean, um, am I allowed to talk about getting hit in the nuts with my drumstick? Oh, yeah. I think I've already talked about doing that on a previous episode. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, we had the classic things don't add up. We had this one drunk naked guy to fall into us. That was pretty cool. Uh, we've had some weird stuff. But but for me it was uh, the most painful. Yeah, I was playing. I was right in the middle of a blast beat, and somehow I don't know how. I guess I got like really close to my snare, and my junk and my snare was united, and my drumstick <laughs> slapped me in the gonads pretty hard. And I'm talking no. about I was I was still blasted one hand, but like I'm leaning on the floor time, you know, and like I'm trying to breathe. I'm like doing Lamaze. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh man. I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough. Bad. Yeah, I, ha- I had a similar thing once. I was playing, and I wasn't doing a blast, but I remember I was like, it was like a, I was rocking out, and I went to smack my snare like a really hard rim shot, and I somehow I dropped my stick on the way down, and so normally, you know, my snare would stop my hand from moving, but the stick wasn't there, so I just like punched myself right in the dick. <laughs> and I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, it was oh, wow. unpleasant. <laughs> And it was like one of those immediately, like my stomach was like, I thought I was going to throw up. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> did you finish the song though? That's the most I'm important. pretty sure I did. I don't actually oh, yeah. remember where I was. I don't know if it was at a show or if it was at a rehearsal. Um, <laughs> I guess I just blacked that part out of my memory. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's never good. I'm sure every, everybody always has something where it's like, oh, this is whatever stuff went wrong and I just remember, like, whenever I started finally realizing that, you know, shows are never perfect, even for, like, you know, every drummer I've ever met has had shows where it's like, oh, this sucked. <laughs> like, I did, this right. did not go well. So it was always, I find that kind of uh, kind of comforting. It all of a sudden made it seem like, oh, hey, I don't need to be perfect all the time, because nobody is. Right, right. Yeah, I've had them shows where you, you go plug up my trigger or my bass drum doesn't work, and I have to show it even work, and then somebody's like, I don't hear it, and I'm like, oh, man, it's like one little chord didn't go in all the way, or yeah. the sound man, one sound man didn't even know what he's doing, you know, he's like, I didn't even know you had that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's ran great. into your PA board, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough. Or like, it's quite often we'll play shows, where it's like, I've got four toms, and they're like, hey, I've got two tom mics. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not enough. Okay, great. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, that just you know, jumping back to to Mexico. So it sounds like that's a pretty cool, pretty cool experience to go through there. Um, it's always yeah. interesting to hear about how, you know, how different scenes are uh, between countries because it's easy to get in your head and think like, oh, you know, this is just how people like us. But you could go somewhere else, and then 
you're just re- received so much differently than you are in your hometown. Right, right. Yeah, Mexico was so far my favorite, but only yeah. because people. I mean, and they had to do a lot to get those shows. Some of these people were were less than financially, you know, able. And they still, mm-hmm. matter of fact, we made sure to cut, like, you know, some people, we were just giving some merch, too, because we felt bad. They, this one people, that talk, they said they walked, like, miles to get to the show. And so I was like, no, nah, here, you can have some shirts, and, you know, I'm going to buy you a, you know, hot dog, I ain't sure. But oh. <laughs> I'm going to do something <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And it's, it's, it's cool to see how strong metal scenes are. Like, I've never really, like, we played, like, we got to go and play Vakken, um, and then we've done our tour in Canada, and that's pretty much it. But I've I've often like you know I, you watch documentaries like banger film documentaries and stuff like that where they they show the metal scene in other countries, and it's like, whoa, like it's so different. <laughs> and, right. and, and a lot of the times, like way better in other places. Right, right. I know my my bass player; he can tell you even more. You know, because he's used to being with Nile. They're playing like every country. And they'll talk about like you know how how Germany and Sweden. They actually when they played India, it was cool because they like built them their whole set. I think how the story goes, they they didn't even know this. They just show up, and there's this whole Nile back drop. You know, they built this entire stage just for them, and wow. they just show up, and it was like, holy crap! This would cost so much to do back in America, and they just done it yeah. just to be cool. <laughs> they oh, were flexing. That- well, I mean that is cool, <laughs> man. Imagine going there and somebody's like built your backdrop and everything for you. Like, I feel <laughs> like the awesome. closest thing like that that's ever happened to me is that we went and played a show in Edmonton, and and the opening band was, uh, and I should mention that this isn't even close to that happening. But the opening band was like these kids who were, uh, like they were pretty young, and I just went up and talked to them. I'm like, hey, man, like you guys, like I'm excited to hear you, and he's like, oh, thanks, like. Our drummer's really, really nervous. He's never played like with a big band before, and I like looked around. I'm like, "What? Like you're not talking about us, are you? <laughs> like you know, we're like nobody." <laughs> and it felt so weird. Just <laughs> so, you know, I can only imagine what it would be like going somewhere. I mean, obviously, Nile is a big band, so yeah, there's a yeah. bit of a difference there. Um, but yeah, so speaking of Nile, I guess uh, that transitions us nicely into some of your your drum tech work, which is something I'm pretty excited to hear about because that's one thing that we haven't uh, we haven't talked to a drum anyone who's done drum tech stuff before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh, I know personally that's something that I always thought was, like, interesting because, like, I know like, I've always looked at drums as kind of – I've described them to non-drummers as, like, these are, like, adult Legos <laughs> or something like that. You know, there's a lot – it's a lot of fun to, like, play and maintain your kit. I mean, at least I think so. Um, right. So – what are some of the things that you can tell me about that? Like, did you do it on a, on a tour? Yes. Yeah, I went with Niall on their last tour, actually. And, uh, um, you know, like I said, the bass player plays in Zyle as well. So uh, me and him were like, that's one of my best friends, you know. So, And not mm. to mention, we're from the area where Niall is. Niall, mo- they practice like an hour from where I live. And uh, Oh, nice. And so, yeah, and plus the new guitar player, Brian, uh, I was in the band that he transitioned from Inthian into Niall. So I was also so – played with i guess half the band <laughs> you know That's and so just sweet. through friends and uh um plus george was like one of my biggest drum idols you know and mm-hmm. that that was one of the few people i was actually really nervous about meeting because you know you grow up this is your drum idol and then you get to meet him you're like oh my goodness and then he's like the coolest guy and uh, he's also he's also my drum teacher as well and uh oh nice so yeah and so went on tour and see george is very methodical like his kit 
you know, as you know, he has like the best metal kit. I swear to goodness, and he's endorsed by you know Pearl mm-hmm. and all these great companies. So it's really cool getting to see how he does things, how he sets up, and uh, but George also does a lot. Like other drum techs do all the work. He likes to be there with you. Like, uh, uh-uh, I like this. I like this. But everything is so well placed that you can't mess up. You know. So I like that. Um, but yeah, and then there's uh, Pete Sandoval. Uh, who's in, he was a, you know, original drum for Morbid Angel and, uh, Terrorizer. And, uh, you know, he's like pretty much the founder of the blast beat. And it was mm-hmm. crazy because everybody knew him as Pete the feet. And here comes <laughs> Pete, you know, and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm, I didn't even know I was going to be his tech until I got there. And I'm like, I'm your tech too. Woo. And we went and got <laughs> like chicken nuggets and he, he's such a sweet person. Like he's way sweeter in real life. Like when you meet him, he's like, you know, he's like, hello, my friend. And uh, I'd go get him chicken nuggets. And that was about it. Nice. <laughs> and it was great, though. Matter of fact, he's endorsed by the same company. Like, Because uh, I'm with D-Drum. He was with D-Drum. So uh, when we seen Mike Petrak, which is the, the guy who handles the artist relations, it was cool because it was like, it was easy. I'm already with him. I'm torn. You know, I'm already, here's Joe. I mean, uh, uh, Pete. You know, no, it, was, it, was, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That's a pretty crazy experience, like especially doing that for like one of your idols. Um, I know when I was on Shredders of Metal, like I found out like you know Chris Adler was going to be one of the judges. I was like, oh my god, I have to like compete and be judged by like one of my idols now. That's nice. <laughs> terrifying. By the um, way, that was awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was uh, stressful. It was a stressful experience. <laughs> I was watching on that it's, one. <laughs> uh, it's kind of. um but yeah that is a a pretty crazy experience getting to do something like that um one thing as well uh, just as kind of you know we're gonna fill this whole episode with just like sharp left turns (laughs) um (laughs) that is okay (laughs) i've got like a million questions for you here um so you know you are you're a multi-instrumentalist um you play like it seems like you play everything um i was telling you earlier like you know you do a lot of folk stuff a lot of clean singing um how often are you practicing? Because like, it seems to me like you must be practicing something all the time. <laughs> like, are you ever not practicing something? I I, I live in this. Uh, my home life has adjusted in a in an interesting way to accommodate. So, which is a good thing. And so, I pretty much spend when I'm not working most of my time. Uh, if I'm not training or working, I'm always doing music. And plus. I, I do the recording at my studio. I do the drums. I for some of the projects I do the guitars, the piano, the vocals, the bass, and so. And then I love composing. I, I have so many songs that's never been released. I would say I have two hundred orchestrated pieces and scores just sitting there, and it's just what makes me happy right now. So yeah, mm-hmm. and man, I want to take on a new instrument. I'm gonna learn how to play the kazoo. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those ones you can just play whatever. You should do like trombone or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm gonna, so I'm I guess um, an interest, like I guess, would you have any tips for somebody who is? I mean, since clearly uh, it's the you, you, the way you practice is working. You're great at like, you know, I, I've seen you play guitar. I've heard you sing. I've seen you play drums, and it's not like you're just kind of noodling with these. It's like you're good at all, like really good at all of these things. So for somebody who might be having um you know trouble disciplining themselves or, or figuring out like how can i possibly uh, and effectively practice this often like um do you have any tips for you know like 
for getting yourself to practice or is it kind of just like you love it so much that you're just like it doesn't you don't even think about anything else right that that's a complicated question i guess cuz i look it's it's a, it's an internal physics you have to almost change about yourself uh i also train a lot of martial arts and stuff so it's one of those things that whatever you do you know i guess cuz if you love something you have to embrace the failure you know you're going to fail so much and that's the yeah. thing people are scared of they're scared to know their limit and so they play something, they start failing, they kind of mask it. And it's like, no, 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 you need to identify that weakness. You see it, now you can do something with it. And then, you know, so in internalizing that, that's a principle of yourself. So, and if you really want something, you'll find a way. I hate when people have excuses like, well, I don't got time. Find time. Make the time. And then if you mm-hmm. can't, you didn't like it enough anyway. So, That's interesting that you, that you said that because I um. I remember years and years ago, I was talking to uh, actually my tattoo artist. This was like a long time ago. I worked at the tattoo shop as a piercing apprentice for a little while um, when I was a kid. And uh, he had shown me something that he drew. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I could draw. And he's like, but you can't. You just you need to want to do it bad enough. And like that really stuck with me. It was definitely one of those like, yeah, if you want it, you're going to make a point to do it. Exactly. Actually, that leads me. Uh, my my first martial art teacher, he, when we would get dressed, he would, you know, you finish training or sweat, and he'll go in the back to change out of his gi, and he he would be in there singing, and he sung this very soulful music, and it was pretty. And I remember thinking, because I'm kind of sing, but I was too shy, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and and I was like, I wish I could sing like you. And he goes, but you can. You just got to open your mouth and do it. <laughs> and I mean, as simple as that was, I thought about that. And I went home, and I just kept pushing. You know, and I could do. I, I could sing a little bit now, way better than back then, at least. So there's mm-hmm. progress. So yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and I think that something like that is. It's interesting. I don't know if this was the same for you, but when it comes to singing, um, it's something I've always wanted to do. And like my very first band when I was 14, I was the vocalist. It was a, like a black metal band, so I just blew yeah. my voice out the whole time. But like I've since, uh, you know, now that I'm old, <laughs> I've gotten into clean singing and playing like acoustic and stuff. But it took me, like, um, even to sing in front of my girlfriend, uh, it still makes my hands shake. You know, I have no problem playing drums in front of huge crowds, but to sing in front of, like, one person I care about is, like, terrifying to me. No, it's still like that. No, it's exactly, okay, I can get on stage. If there's a thousand people, I'll sing. If one person comes up, hey, man, sing for me, I'm going... Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Can uh, I cry listen. and shit my pants instead? <laughs> yeah, I, like, I got to poop all of a sudden. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> That's the perfect excuse. <laughs> yeah, singing is it's interesting because I found, um, and it was weird because like my first time on stage behind drums, uh, I remember feeling lonely because I was like, oh, I was, I'm used to being up front, and now I'm like behind, like in this in the back part, all surrounded by drums. Uh, but now it feels like that's like my protective little bubble, <laughs> you know. Exactly. That's that's my actually. I stepped out as a frontman for Zio for the first album. It was the first time I ever went out front, and I went back to drums because I can. You know, I hate to say it, I'd rather be at my drums. But it's exactly that problem. I went out there and I was like, "Oh wow, people have faces. I ain't used to this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's crazy because I, I guess like with you've got a fairly large drum kit too. A lot of symbols like. I can only usually see like one or two people at a time at the most, you know, between yeah, the band the members in front of me, my symbols and stuff. I don't really see a lot of people, but, you know, going up front, it's like, oh, geez, I can see everybody. <laughs> Where'd you guys come from? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I like being able to just put my head down and like not see anybody and focus on stuff so that way I don't have to get nervous. 
Right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's one person, like, I, I make weird faces when I'm thinking. So I'm sitting there, like, my mouth's open, my tongue's, like, this kind of falling out, and I'm drooling. But, you know, when you're behind the drums, you kind of get away with it. But from, oh, yeah. uh, And somebody was filming, and sure enough, the picture that they got, I got my mouth <laughs> up, and going, Ugh. I'm like, dang, boy, I got to go back to drums. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's more weird if you don't make a – it's, like, strange if you don't make a weird drum face. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I make a few. Usually, like, I remember being younger, I used to make some really weird ones. And I've since kind of, like, gotten myself to the point where I, I can at least, like, make a kind of cool looking. Not, I wouldn't say cool looking, but, like, I look more angry as opposed to just, like, <laughs> like I'm having a seizure. I actually practice my faces now because some of the videos, <laughs> I would look at the drum videos. And what I do is I go to my, like, orc like dumb orc look face and i'm sitting there going <laughs> and i'll be blasting i'm going Ugh. and then uh, <laughs> and then finally i sit in the mirror i was like no bring your mouth together chin up mean scowl <laughs> mm-hmm. i guess um my my <laughs> my biggest this is a stupid sentence i'm about to say my biggest <laughs> drum face inspiration <laughs> is uh trim torson <laughs> from emperor um because i remember watching i think we had a a when we were kids, we had a DVD, uh, Imperial Live Ceremonies, I think. Yeah. And he's playing, and he's doing all these, like, Yin Transipirium and stuff. He's doing these insane blasts, and he's just super, like, he looks like it's not, he's not even trying. His just face is just, like, plain. And I was like, that is the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, mine was Nick Barker, because he just kind of, you know, he was a demon with gear. He would just kind of sit there, and his arms and legs are kicking, but his body just kind of chilled. He always kind of looked like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna get ready to get some coffee and some chicken wings, and <laughs> yeah, pretty good. much. He, it's like he's not even trying. <laughs> and then meanwhile, I'm sitting here like doing a blast, a bit like you know, wanting to die sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I always found that uh, <laughs> there's some definitely some interesting drum faces out there. Sometimes yeah. whenever I'm playing really hard, I'll get like a big vein in my forehead because I'll just like, and I don't think this happens as much anymore. But like I used to push a little harder than I probably should have to hit certain double bass runs and. Yeah, I've since cleaned up my feet enough that it's like, oh, it doesn't really take much to play. But I've seen these pictures of me, and I'm like, I got this like forehead vein popping out. And I look like I'm going to kill something. <laughs> oh man, that should be one of your videos. You should just do a collage of different drummers' drum face and like try to <laughs> yeah, that'll be your or promotion video. Do like a instead of having like a foot cam or like a you know like the drummer cam, just have it like a, a GoPro pointed right at my face the entire set. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, you try that first and let me know how it goes. <laughs> no, you nobody know needs to see me doing that. I'm gonna do it just for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, you know, a piece of drool and like some old skittle fragments from last week fall out. <laughs> I like it. So I guess uh, you know what are some of like uh, we talked here about some of the, like the bigger hurdles to get over as a drummer, and I know that like you know you were saying just you know being at a plateau and stuff. I think that's also pretty common right now. Uh, in the time of COVID, for a lot of people to be having a hard time, right, really doing much. Um, what is like? Have you gotten past any hurdles that you think might be like some common ones that you see other drummers maybe struggling with, and maybe you know, kind of give them some pointers and like, you know, here's what you can do if you are struggling in an area. Right, right. Uh, wait, now, yeah. Let me think for one second. Maybe, like, you know, for me, like, certain techniques, I mean, that's, I'm, it's funny. I'm, like, going back and forth. Like, I really want to get fast. So I, I really hammered and grind it until I can hit some of them 300 BPM marks, which I was, I was like, okay, I did it. But now it's hard to do 
200 BPM. Like it's harder to go back and like, you know, do the mid tempos. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, you mean I can blast fast, but I can't keep, like I had to retrain different muscle groups. So you're always walking that, that trying to balance out the muscle groups for certain techniques and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. I spent so long trying to go that speed that some of our new music has some nice mid tempos, you know, 170 to like 220, like in that range. And I'm going, whoo, why is this one harder than the 280? <laughs> and uh, so that was one. And then, uh, uh, but yeah, there's no, there's no secret as much as this grinding. Going back to fundamentals, like I'll play with George and, oh, <laughs> you can hear it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I dropped my phone. My All, bad. Right. All right. So, um, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, George has been, uh, when we're doing lessons, he likes to, uh, uh, we're, we don't do blast beats and fast double bass. We do funk and, and Latin beats, right? And it's so much harder, but because of that, it's helping me become a much better, more rounded drummer. And it's actually making me go pay back attention to, okay, when I was doing blast beats, like how to groove and how to find them sick and patient notes and things that make it sound more advanced than just going gah, 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 all the time. You're learning how to find them little micro grooves and then even put this little polyrhythm in there occasionally. And then it's, it's, whoo, that Latin beat he's been doing, like, it's like the booyah. It's, it's like a doom, 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 doom. And we're doing a syncopation where it's like, ta, ta, ba, 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 ba. but the right hand's going yikka, 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 and I'm going, like all that happens at the same time, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." So and and it's been it's been really opened my eye to the whole another level and drumming for myself. But the only way to get through it is to do it. You know, like you just gotta practice it. And it's okay. Like if you don't get it, go to sleep. <laughs> and when you go to sleep, there you know you have some neurons start connecting, and you'll notice in a day or so you'll get a little better. That's why I say I'm gonna grind. I'm gonna play till I fail. I'm gonna get some sleep. And I tend to get a little bit better each time. So uh, always being a student, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's really good advice because I feel like for me, uh, it's interesting because like, and I've talked about this on the show a number of times, mid-tempos were my, like my kryptonite. Like, and I, you know, I could play, I mean, I never hit 300. <laughs> I think uh, on our new album, the fastest blast is like 240. But um, I found that like 160 to 180, I couldn't like with my feet, particular like specifically i couldn't do it and i was like i couldn't rely on my feet being able to play that and i started getting really down on it um and then i kind of did the same thing where it's like when i whenever i practice now it's like i spend most of my time at those mid tempos and i find that the mid tempos help my faster playing a lot more than the faster playing helps my mid tempos exactly exactly that is mm-hmm. and it's all it's just the whole game of going back to your fundamentals you know I've, I've been trying to tell some metal drummers came to me recently and as one drummer he could play some uh you know like i would say like dave lombardo speeds you know the kind of you know gallops and stuff and he's and i i started doing some s- simple stuff so I'm going back to the simple paradiddles and understanding how you know syncopation techniques and things with them and uh he's never done that and he had the heart. He can play, but whenever I introduced that to him, it it was so hard for him. But now that he's been doing that, his drumming is doubling. And I have to remind myself, okay, if I'm sucking at this, I need to go backwards. I need to go back, get back right with my fundamentals, and then it'll work again. You know, mm-hmm. something simple as posture. I mean, I don't know how many drummers like for me. If, if I don't have the right posture, my drumming goes out the door. And I'm like, yeah, how you sit, oh, how yeah. your your knee to where your foot sits, you know, that's where your balance is. 
where's that point at? And sometimes you have to sit there and self-analyze first, and then you get back to it, you know? Totally. A big uh, big issue for me was burying my bass drum beater, you know, wanting yeah. to kick hard. And um, and it's interesting because it was just, you know, it wasn't until probably like the last two years where I finally understood what all these drummers that I've always liked meant when they said, use your ankle. Because I always thought I was. And then I realized, like, once I started getting it, I was like, oh, man, I've been doing this wrong for years. Like, Years right. and years. <laughs> yeah, I'd use my knees. Uh, I'll leave my knees a lot more than I realized. And yeah, it went till that. I was watching these drummers and I'm like, Oh, they're not they're not running, they're relaxing. Wow, they're sitting back mm-hmm. on a drum throne. Like they'll sit all the way back like they're just sitting in a normal chair. Here I was like hunkered up to the drum kit, trying to move as fast as I could. And I was like, What? The? Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because I found once my ankles got uh once I got better with my ankles my posture got better and like things hurt less in general, like it threw up my whole body. Um, it just right. kind of like made everything else like relax a bit more. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Like now I can just play drums and not worry about just sucking all the time. Right. I think one of the things too, is when I got my posture, right, you know, I started having more power. Like one of the cheats I did, I'll admit I cheated for years. I'll, I'll say cheat, but I would blast beat by trying to just, you know, and just so happened, I kind of landed it where, my jerk motion, I don't know what the name of that. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> that's not the we're right gonna, term. We're going to censor that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it was like hitting a snare at intervals that just so happened to kind of work. But it, it was mm-hmm. always a special case scenario. So when I slowed back down, I had power. And actually, the quicker you go, the more powerful your strike should be. And then that's, it was like realizing that helped me go way faster uh, at blast beats. Versus trying to just, I mean, mm-hmm. learn how to hit and control every motion of that stick. And to be honest, that's a new one, like the last few years for me. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, I like the I like the the concept of always a student because realistically, like you should be. If you don't, if you know, if you ever can get to the point where you think, hey, I've learned everything that I like, I'm as good as I need to be, or I'm as good as I can be, then you're gonna, then that is as good as you're gonna be. Like, I think that if you're always open to like, you know, either learning something new or relearning something and like reevaluating the way you're doing something, like you can always be improving in one way or another. I I have a teacher to this day. I mean, that's why I sought out George. He's my drum teacher. I have this other drummer that's really cool. He works with me on different things. And, And I translate this like my martial art. My teacher still has his teacher, his teacher, who's like, I don't know, he might be 96 right now in Okinawa. He still has his teacher because the the philosophy is like, no, nah, you, you're uh, no, you know, you're a student. You just might have walked a few mm-hmm. more steps further than me. So you're kind of yelling back, hey, don't step on that. And that's it, you know. But to get that over in America, we get this very, I'm a black belt. I'm a teacher. My teacher, when you go over, he'll, he'll take your belt. He's like, oh, give me a belt. Throw it to the side. He's like, there ain't no belts here. Just this technique. Whatever works is what works. And I like that, you know. That's a yeah, I like that too. That's a really good way of looking at it. Man, I should go get a teacher. I had like <laughs> I had a few <laughs> I had a few lessons like a couple of years ago. I just went to a like a like a jazz guy um that I, I knew and we took a few and it was actually really useful, like especially taking lessons from someone who played outside my genre because um it was like he got me playing double strokes at sixty beats per minute. And it was just like pop, 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 pop. It was so slow. But I, and he said, "Do this," and I'm like, "Do this for five minutes straight," 
And so I did double strokes that slow for five minutes. And just that one time I did that, I, I did it a couple of times, but like the very first time, all of a sudden I felt more hand control at my fast tempos. Right, right. Oh man. Like, yeah. yeah. It was, it like improved me in ways that I did not expect. And so I think that, um, yeah, it's totally a good idea, like to, to get drum lessons and, and like, you know, always be pursuing that. Man, I definitely need to go get a teacher now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be learning until the day I die. I'm gonna try to have a teacher, you know, because shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good insight, and because um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Like, I find that a lot of people, um, you know, they'll get stuck or they feel like, you know, they don't know where to. Uh, they don't really know where to go with their playing. Um. And I think that I, I definitely see that in the metal world because it's really easy to like, you know, hey, yeah, I want to be a metal drummer, double bass, blast beats. And then, you know, yeah. then you get your, your, you know, 280 BPM blast beat. And then it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> right. It sounds like, like whenever you hit it, you very much were like, all right, like what's next? <laughs> all right. So we'll get one more question. It looks like our, our connection is a, a little fuzzy still, but um, so I want to talk about your, your, your kit setup kind of quickly here. Um, because I've seen your kit, you've got this. Uh, uh, you're endorsed by D Drum. Yes, and uh, I really love the colors of your kit. You've got like these the red hardware and the black shells. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of uh, uh, like Elder Scrolls, the Deatric armor. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. I want. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and also use a um, uh, on my snare. Because, you know, when, so we have a few gravity blasts. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of doing gravity blasts. That's because it don't, it just don't feel, you know, it ain't my feel. But, you know, we have some parts that need it. And so I just I mm-hmm. broke a piece of drumstick and I, I break it up higher. And it gives a lot better leverage. I can just be sitting up high and, and do a really, I feel like I could control the momentum of it. And mm-hmm. it stroke a lot better. So I have that duct tape to the side of my snare. Uh, nice. That's, that's a good idea. I actually, because um, I know, uh, I don't know who makes this, probably Gibraltar because they make everything, but I've seen things before. They're like this little wooden block that you attach to the side of your snare, and it's made for like just giving your rim, rim clicks a better sound. But I've always thought that something like that would be really good for gravity blasts because it's the same idea. Oh, man. I need to look into that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but uh, yeah, totally, like it would definitely make a gravity blast a lot more powerful for sure. Right. Having it stick up that much more. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I started integrating more percussion now. So I got this little, like, 8-inch tom that I put this. Because, you know, I used to march and do, like, a lot of march. I like that high pitch, uh, you know, uh, crack on it. And so mm-hmm. I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, cause, like, also when you hear folk music, you hear, hear that kind of woody. And so I've been yeah. trying to figure out how to be, you know, because a lot of drummers, when they do drum solos, cause I'm also getting into that. Like, I want to start doing drum solos more. And uh, when nice. you hear it, you try to be more musical. You're trying to create vibes and 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 grooves with it. And now that you know, you know, you blast all the time. You're like, you know, I want I want to play more rhythmic stuff. I want to hear some weird tribal beats in between, but not just a backing track. I want to be able to play it with this hand while still keeping my groove with this hand. And and so I'm I'm in a big uh, experimental phase. So mm-hmm. yeah, nice. I think that's a good. It's good to be in that though. Like kind of how we talked about earlier. It's like it's helpful to always be pursuing something new. You know, right. you don't want to stagnate. I, and I think that it's a lot more fulfilling to like you know once you, you you got your eye on something, you do it, but then you do something slightly different. And I think that's like the best way to grow as a musician. 
Right. Probably as a person, too, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm getting ready. Uh, so I'm endorsed by Saluda Symbols, and they make these. Have you seen Saluda Symbols? I've seen your symbols. Okay. They, they, um, they make them look very archaic, and uh, you can get all these wild designs on them. And they're, they're actually local. They're, they're about three hours from me, so it's not too far. And, oh, nice. Uh, they, oh, man, and they'll, they're really sweet. They'll bring you in. You can go to the factory and walk around. They'll show you around. And uh, if something breaks, like if you crack a symbol, you just bring it back to them and they'll fix it, like no cost. Oh, and I'm like, that's pretty sweet. What's wild is I've had these symbols probably, I don't know, six years. I've not cracked one yet. And I'm almost curious, like, I feel bad for them. Like, this is a, it's a good for us, but it's a bad business model for you guys. Your stuff ain't <laughs> yeah. breaking, so people ain't buying it as much. <laughs> But I'm not broke. Because when I, even with my Sabians, and I, I love, actually, I loved Sabian before Saluda, I, I would crack my splashes a lot. I have beat mm-hmm. these things so much, not one crack Oh, yet, crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty bad for breaking symbols. Um, I'm a China destroyer. Uh, right. And, and I feel like it's hard to hit a China without. Like, you know, your, your, your crashes and stuff, yeah, you do the, your glancing blows and everything. But a China, you kind of just got to lay into those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at least I do. And uh, I'm bad for going through those to the point where I just started buying, like, cheap Wuhan ones. Dude, I love <laughs> so, Man, Wuhan. I like Wuhan. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, me too, actually. I, <laughs> um, you know, there's, um, there's, like, a time and place. You know, I find that because I've, I've ordered some Wuhan Chinas and they're great. And then other ones of the exact same size, just like twice as thick and don't have any tone to them. So right. you're taking a bit of a gamble, but I personally think it's worth it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, before we wrap it up here, I know you guys just announced a pretty cool sounding tour uh, coming up once shows begin again. You want to tell us about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited because Sal's a huge bloodbath, Opeth, you know, and Paradise Lost. They have different members from. And so I was a big fan of that. And, yeah, so we we got signed to Pavement Entertainment, and that's pretty big. Like They have, like, uh, like Power Man 5000 and, you know, uh, you know some other, you know, uh, more, uh, what is it, new metal bands. So they don't have much extreme mm-hmm. metal, so they, they brought us on. And yeah, the dude, he, he just messaged me and goes, "Oh, by the way, uh, going on tour with Bloodbath." And I was like, "Woo! All right. <laughs> what?" <laughs> and yeah, really cool. that's uh, and it's connect like it's a uh, uh, we have like one or two uh, uh, North, uh, American dates, and then we come to Canada. So uh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, I yeah. definitely look for that. Uh, I will be at that show because you're playing in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> we're go- you gotta take us out and get some Toronto food." Uh, yeah, I'll get you some nutrition bricks. <laughs> with ketchup. I'll, br- I'll bring the ketchup. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have for nutrition bricks and plain chicken breast. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's really cool. Hopefully Toronto has its shit together uh, COVID-wise by then. Has, uh, it's not doing great so far, but, you know, <laughs> there's some time still. Oh, yeah. It, things are starting <laughs> to open up here in America a little bit. Uh, they just lifted the mask mandate because... Our vaccinations have been have met the quota or something, but you know we're still trying to play it oh. safe. I'm like, I still yeah, look like definitely. a ninja. So I mean, it's uh, masks are pretty cool, especially if you're into martial arts and stuff like you are. I Why love the mask. Look like a ninja. I know. Everybody's <laughs> like, I hate them masks. I'm going around like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it either. Um, it's interesting because I started. I, I went back to school. 
and I feel like I actually don't know what most of my classmates' faces look like. <laughs> so it'll be Why? interesting once once we don't have to wear masks anymore to actually see a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, I guess on that, um, I don't have anything else here. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll think of a bunch of stuff once we when, once we end the call. But uh, I just want to say thanks again for for coming on and chatting with me. Um, if people want to see what you're doing and look you up, how uh, how can they find you? Right. So I go to my Instagram, which is just Nasaru, N-A-S-S-A-R-U, and then like an underscore official. And it sounds way more official than it really is. You know, I just want to seem cool. And then uh, you can look up Zael. Uh, you can literally <laughs> just put it in. There's not too many Zael's. It's X-A-E-L. Um, and we actually have a new project that just kicked off called Vrakul. Uh, so you can look that up, Ooh. but they ain't much on it. It's going to be cool. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be weird sci-fi metal. That's what I like to do. And, uh, nice. anyway, so yeah, that's V R A K U L all this. You can look up on Facebook and, you know, yeah, and we'll definitely post, uh, links in our, our show notes. Um, do you actually have, cause I know I've seen a lot of, uh, your kind of folk stuff where you're playing acoustic guitar and, and doing clean singing and stuff. Um, is that just kind of stuff you're doing for fun or do you have like a, is that a project of yours? Well, it's something I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Like I wrote the music, but because I've been in metal so long, I'm like, how do you push folk music? So I don't know hmm. how to do folk music. So, but, yeah, uh, but interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I definitely recommend uh, anybody, once you do start figuring how to push it, check it out, because I, I think it's great. Um, but yeah, man, anyway, thanks again for, for chatting with me, and uh, you know, maybe we'll, uh, down the road we'll be able to get you to come back on and, and tell us about how your, show, uh, your tour with Bloodbath went. Oh, that would be great, and thank you very much for having me. Right on, man, thanks a lot. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.